Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am Tim Ogles, and today I will be joined by Mikey Kaprinsky, and we will look into the nail-biting loss for the Atlanta Hawks to the Brooklyn Nets, 114, uh, 114 to 113. And we will start looking ahead to the Philadelphia 76ers. Overall, my thoughts on this game, you know, Mikey, tonight, it was it was one of those back-and-forth games that, you know, no no team could really find their offensive rhythm. And uh, defensively, we, we, we actually saw some pretty good defense from the Hawks. And it's been quite refreshing to see. Yeah, it- it was it was refreshing to see a defensive game, especially in that first half. The Book and Nets main scorers, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, those guys really couldn't develop a rhythm. Give a lot of credit to DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray for for really really playing great defense on those guys and limiting the, the Nets offense, especially with opportunities at the rim. Historically in these past few games, the Hawks point of attack defense has been poor at best. And this this game was a step in the right direction for sure in that first half, but in the second half, you know, Mikael Bridges definitely definitely got something going there in the second. Yeah, and I, th- I think you know for the Hawks, it's it's refreshing to see the defense, but it also stinks to see the offense struggle. Um, definitely on a night where you really need them when your defense is performing, um, it's just one of those things where um, it's it, one thing's on, the other thing's off, and you know it happens. But uh, overall, I thought it was a really good game. I thought both teams played really well. Yeah, uh, you're speaking of one one game. One game the offense is on. One game the, off, uh, the defense is off. That was that's mo- mo- mostly what the Hawks have been over the past few weeks. But tonight was just the opposite. Atlanta only got up 15 threes at halftime, and you know we both were on this podcast talking about how the Bucks in that Bucks game, the Hawks only got up 13 threes at halftime. I'm sure Quinn Snyder at halftime was definitely telling his guys to get up more threes because Atlanta really needs to get do that because their defense hasn't been that good. Tonight, that wasn't the case in the first half. You know, talking about your three-pointers made, um, the Brooklyn Nets are fifth in three-pointers made. Um, to keep up with a team like Brooklyn, you're going to have to shoot those threes. Um, they're second in three-point percentage too, so when they take threes, they're hitting them. So, like, for the Hawks, you have to get those threes up. You have to. Yeah. One one guy who I actually thought did a great job of doing that right from the start was Sadiq Bey. And he was really long in attack mode early. Whenever he got space, he was launching that he was launching the three. He was attacking off the catch, attacking a closeout. And for Sadiq, that is really encouraging to see that, especially because t- tonight on the defensive end. I thought he I thought he did a pretty good job as well. So Sadiq Bay, it was encouraging to see uh, a game from him where he was just not hesitating, letting it fly, and as well contributing on the defensive end. And unfortunately, it just didn't result in a win for the Hawks. Yeah, and something I seen also in the first that I thought was pretty interesting is the Hawks were trying to get DeAndre Hunter involved early, and, and I've noticed that that's kind of a thing um, for this Hawks team with Hunter is try to get him involved early and often. And I, I thought they did a good job. He, he got a quick and one. He, he was finding his way to the basket. Uh, I think he missed a couple at the rim. But for him to be aggressive and, you know, take that 
uh, initiative to get to the rim, that's still what we're looking for. Yeah, um, the, the biggest thing was off the catch for sure with with Hunter. That was a very noticeable difference tonight from him and encouraging to see, especially in that first quarter. Yeah, and I, I thought DeAndre throughout the game, it was less and less attempts for him. And that's that's something I think the Hawks need to work on a little bit is trying to keep him involved as the game keeps going because you've seen him involved early and he was making a difference. And whenever, you know, you got to the, the third and fourth quarter, it was less and less. And he did hit a, a bigger three towards the end of this game. But I, I think that, you know, you got to keep using him. Yeah. As, as we go here, as we go here, really to jump into the game in the first quarter, this game started off like a lot of other Hawks games throughout the past couple of weeks, 33 to 31 at the end of the quarter. But some weird, some weird stats, especially for Brooklyn. Uh, the Hawks offense did not struggle in this first quarter. They did not. <laughs> no, no way. And uh, last time against Brooklyn, Trey had six threes in the first quarter. And it, it was it wasn't it wasn't to that degree, but whenever Trey was on the floor, the Hawks really didn't have any trouble generating the open looks that they normally had. And Trey was meshing well with Sadiq. He was get he was getting to that floater. And his floater right now, just sidetrack a little bit, his floater's completely back. Completely back. He he is knocking down a, a large majority of these floaters now that he wasn't hidden over the past over the first couple weeks of the season. I wonder if that's coming from, you know, Quinn Snyder talked about how um, the screens are coming from different angles now for Trey. And I wonder if that's Trey finally figuring out those different angles on, you know, his floater and finally getting them kind of down pat. Because a guy like Trey, you're not going to keep down for long. He he will figure it out. And once he does, as, as he has now, it, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the league. Yeah, you, you, were, you were talking about Brooklyn's three-point uh, three percentage, fifth and three-pointers made, second and three-point percentage. This is a crazy stat that they had in the first quarter. In the first five and a half minutes of the game, Brooklyn was six of eight from three and one of ten from two. I mean, when have you ever seen that in a game? Uh, you don't see it often, but that kind of just uh, fuels the fire for the Hawks needing to get more threes up, and they just didn't in that first half. And the ones they did get up, they only shot 20% of that's rough. That's a rough night. Yeah, that and and it that, that kind of it kind of mess it kind of messes with the just crazy stat of that because you know thirty point thirty points in the quarter thirty one it's a good number, but it's still it's still the th- the three pointers for most Quinn offenses is just not going to be enough. Yeah, and moving on to the second quarter, I thought uh, we we went to the Hawks went to. The two-man lineup of Akongu and Capella at the the four and five, and I think that that lineup can actually work. I really do. But Akongu has to hit those threes. If he hits those threes, it opens up the floor for the Hawks. And you know, there were some careless turnovers in in the second quarter when the Hawks had the ball. Sadiq Bay had a couple really good drives to the rim, and he tried to find Capella under the rim. And maybe that Sadiq getting used to being on the floor with a Kongu and Capella because he tried to throw him bounce passes up under the rim, and they were just swatted away and ended up being two turnovers. But I, I think that lineup can't work. Defensively, they played really great together. 
I think that offensively, if a Kongu's hitting that shot, it spreads open the floor, and uh, they could really get it going that way. Yeah, and it was it was pretty much the exact same result that the Hawks got against the Bucks. Uh, that 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 lineup created the defensive stops they need, but unfortunately, the offensive spacing with the Kongu not hitting that open corner three was kind of rough, and they really couldn't get any offensive rhythm uh, with both of those guys on the floor. The the second quarter was one of those quarters where I felt like the Hawks could have created space, and I felt like both teams really struggled in the second quarter. You know, there, it was it was you know one of those where you miss a shot, I miss a shot, they go down, make a shot, you come back down, make a shot. It was one of those kind of games where it was like, man, can we not just get a solid eight eight point run? If we yeah. saw an eight-point run, I felt like that we could put this game out of reach, and the Hawks couldn't do it. No, not neither team could, and it was it was one of those quarters. Depending on it, if you're if you're an offense first or defense first type of fan, it could have been a boring quarter. Like this this quarter, you can you can exam you can examine really and and, t- and take bits and pieces of it for sure. But overall, the theme in this quarter I got was you know. <laughs> This might be a pretty boring quarter if you were just able to examine it one by one. You know, the Hawks go down, make a bucket. The 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 Nets may go down and go on a mini four zero run. What do the Hawks do? Counter that with their own four zero run. If they miss a shot, then another team's gonna miss a shot. So uh, it was it was kind of a quarter where it was just like purgatory. Nobody nobody was really playing well. It was just kind of mid. And I I think if you do kind of take a look at one of those things, one of the results why both teams kind of played uh, subpar offensively for the Hawks, it was Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews' ball pressure on Cam Thomas really made a difference in, in the second quarter. Uh, Cam Thomas, is, he's a young scorer in this league for the Nets, and I thought that the Hawks has, did a great job putting him in position to make him uncomfortable. Matthews, especially with his ball pressure. But you also saw Quinn Snyder switch up a little bit of the defense. You saw Akangu high on, high on the pick and roll, trapping Cam Thomas, at half court, resulting in a couple turnovers. And I think that that switch really put a young player and, and a score not really in his in his uh, rhythm and in his zone yet. I thought it made him uncomfortable, and it was a good look for Atlanta. Yeah, I, I really liked how we we finished, the, the Hawks finished the second quarter. I think that, you know, with the struggles they had, they still found a way to finish the second quarter pretty strong. Trey Young on defense was by far the highlight of my night to watch him calling off screens and, and really taking charges that kind of stuff just excites me because Trey Young's has a stigma around the NBA that he doesn't play defense and I think night by night Trey Young is proving a lot of doubters wrong we've seen we've seen Quinn Snyder mention that so many times in post game press conferences um, he said he said something along the lines of multiple times you know, this stigma around Trey that he doesn't play defense or we need we need to let this narrative change. That's what he said multiple times. And after that charge he took against Jeremy Sohan on the Spurs, Hawks fans, and I think a lot of team, uh, fans around the league in general, have seen a shift in either either mental in either mental from Trey or just that he, he's really locked in on that defensive end right now. And it's, it's just great to see if you're a Hawks fan. I agree. Mikey, I got a crazy, crazy stat for you out of this game. All right. Yes. So – 
per Nets PR, there were 43 lead changes in this basketball game. That's a lot. That is the most lead changes in a game since the beginning when it was tracked in 1996 and 1997. My goodness. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about how, especially in the second quarter, neither team could create any separation. It was like that in the second quarter and especially in the fourth quarter the whole way through. Both of those quarters, it felt like these teams were matching offense for offense, defense for defense. All right. So we'll we'll move on to the third. I thought the third, um, the Hawks really let Mikael Bridges get going. And unfortunately for DeAndre Hunter, his great defensive night ended up turning into one of the mediocre defensive nights for him. Yeah, the last last time the Nets were in State Farm Arena, DeAndre Hunter got cooked by Mikael Bridges. And in the second half, it was kind of a nightmare for Hawks fans back, back to that night. Um, Bridges scored 13 points in the first five and a half minutes of the quarter, and it was largely from the mid-range area. Bridges has Bridges has a shot where you know he'll he'll snake the pick and roll, but anytime he anytime he tries to do that. He's not trying to get into the paint. He's trying to go outside and fade away from maybe 15 to 18 feet. But when he gets going, when he knocks down a couple of those, he gets in such a rhythm that it seems like every single shot that he takes after that is going to go in. I would definitely have to say that man has the coolest three-point celebration in the game. Um, It's one of them. Yeah, it it definitely is. And I, I was there tonight to watch him do it. It stinks. To watch him do it in person, it definitely stinks because it, it hurts. It hurts. I, there were two people in this game. Unfortunately, unfortunately for the Hawks, Wesley Wesley Matthews didn't didn't make a three tonight. But Wes Matthews, for me, his three punch shot celebration when he when he takes the bow and arrow out of his back and loads up that is definitely one of my top five in the league as well. So so we had two people in my top five go, going at it tonight. But unfortunately, Hawks fans, we did not get to see the West Matthews three-point celebration tonight. Unfortunately, Wesley was 0 for 2 tonight, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the fourth. Unless you got anything with the third. You got anything left for the third? I do, actually, yeah. Um, the Hawks' offense without Trey really struggled tonight, but especially in that third quarter. Uh, DeJounte, DeJounte was not able to kind of take the reins uh, and keep the ball movement going once Trey sat on the bench. I think our whole bench struggled tonight. Like, it, 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 I mean, it, if Trey Young was not on the floor, I, I felt like the Hawks struggled, and there's no denying that. And the weirdest part to say is the Hawks struggled defensively without Trey Young on the floor, and, and you don't hear that very often in Hawks land. No, you don't. That's that's a huge that's a huge difference of, of the past few games with, with Trey's defense. And speaking of defense, there's one guy on the Nets that I'd like to particularly highlight because, you know, he went he went to my he went to my college, NC State represent, but Dennis Smith Jr., guys. Dennis Smith Jr. went to NC State, played under Kevin Keats, one of the best college coaches. If if you want to learn how to be a ball pressure, great defender at the point of attack. And Dennis Smith Jr. really did that to DeJounte Murray and Trey Young whenever he was in the game tonight. Uh, Trey, Trey still had a good game. 
Uh, but really, it was it was it was definitely more of a struggle uh, when Dennis Smith Jr. was on either uh, either Trey or Dejounte, and you can kind of see that in the Hawks organization as well. Jarkel Joyner, uh, who who I actually who I actually know and went went to NC State with, uh, he does that for the College Park Skyhawks nightly. Yeah, for 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 me, I thought Dennis's defense really affected Dejounte more, and uh, you could see it when Dejounte would pull his mid range shot. And a lot of the time, uh, DeJounte likes to get to that nail and really get up, you know, all the, all the, you know, mid range shots he can. And with Dennis on him, he was forcing him to, to shoot those shots with one hand sometimes. And that, that's rough sometimes. Yeah. A big, a big factor is that is, you know, DeJounte gets a rep as he, he's a taller guard and he is, you know, at six, four, six, three. But Dennis is, is like that as well. He's a, he's a stronger, taller guard. And he's really athletic. So he's going to get up and contest that shot a lot more than some of the other guards will. And that's why I think uh, DeJounte might uh, might have been able, might have not been able to get the shot that he normally does. But Kevin Keats at NC State, he teaches he teaches his perimeter players well on defense. And that's why if you watch any College Park Skyhawk games, Jarkel Joyner does that for does, does that for this organization. And it, it would it would be nice to see some point of attack defense like that nightly from the Atlanta Hawks. It really would. I think that the Hawks definitely struggle at the point of attack. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but the Atlanta Hawks are just missing Jalen Johnson. And uh, it, it's definitely felt every night, definitely in the defensive side of the floor, the Hawks have struggled with a guy like Jalen Johnson. It fixes some of the issues, not all of them. He's Jalen's not going to fix everything, but Jalen will fix a lot of this issues with, with the Hawks team. Yeah, you, we, we've mentioned a couple of times how this game was so back and forth. No team could really grab um, could grab the other team and go on with a run. The Nets' largest lead in this game happened at 88 to 84 in the fourth quarter. That just kind of shows you how the just how back and forth crazy this game was. Yeah, I mean, for me, watching this game was crazy because it's one of those games where you look up, all right, we're up two. Okay, you look up, we're down three. And the Hawks just couldn't find the gas pedal to, to get them over that hump. And th- that's okay um, whenever your offense is struggling. The Hawks have, you know, the fourth uh, best team in offensive rating this year. And, you know, some nights you're just going to struggle. But, you know, most NBA teams, when you have those offensive nights you struggle, you normally pick it up on the defensive end. I felt like the Hawks picked it up on the defensive end tonight. They just didn't do enough at the end of it to, to seal it off. Yeah. Uh, one guy one guy who really kept who kept us with the Nets as far as go, as far as going into the fourth quarter and heading into the the stretch, the closing stretch was Bogey. Uh, I think Bogey after having an off shooting night against the, against the Bucks, he definitely did not have an off shooting night. Uh, against the Nets here, and he had some, he had some really clutch threes. Went four for nine from beyond the arc. So great, great volume, great percentage uh, percentages there from a guy that you know when he's coming in, he's gonna shoot. And more than likely, on most nights, it's gonna go in more. Uh, it's gonna go in most of the time, and we saw that tonight. Yeah, and I felt like the end of this game was Trey Young, Mikael Bridges. And we saw that last time in overtime, going back and forth. Um, it's it's f- for me as a Hawks fan, I don't like seeing Mikael Bridges go off, but me as an NBA fan, 
I love watching games like that because it's two guys that are great basketball players going head-to-head, back and forth, willing their team to win. And that's just something that gets me excited as a basketball fan. Now, as a Hawks fan, I don't like to see it as much. Yeah. As we go into the specifics here down the stretch, it was it was a crazy finish to this game. The, the, the Hawks were down, but the Hawks were down by uh, two, or no, the Hawks were down. The Hawks were down by one, and Trey goes with around twenty seconds left. Now the Hawks could have easily held for for the last shot here, but Trey took took an early shot, took an early shot with around twenty seconds left. A step back three, and it goes in State Farm Arena. I'm sure. I mean, you were at the game, Tim. I'm sure State Farm Arena went berserk when Trey hit that step back three. It was rocking. When Trey hit that shot, it was rocking in State Farm Arena. Yeah. And at that point, uh, Hawks Hawks fans were feeling pretty good. But Mikael Bridges comes down, waits for about five seconds left on the clock, and hits an absolutely stone cold contested mid-ranger over DeAndre Hunter that Hunter could not have defended any better. Yeah, and I I was going to definitely say that because DeAndre, I felt like, did everything the right way in that possession, and Mikel just made the better shot. And sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the the man and and say that that was definitely a hell of a shot by Mikel Bridges. Yeah, Hunter played great defense on Bridges in the first half. Definitely subpar in the, in the second, and it's it's really easy to for Hawks fans to say, "Man, you know, fourth pick in the draft, that was terrible defense by DeAndre Hunter on that first on that last possession of the game." It needs to be better, but that was not one of those cases. He played he played excellent defense. Bridges, he was he almost fouled Bridges. He was less than like five inches away from his hand, and Bridges still knocked down the shot. So that put the Nets up one. And Trey Young, it comes down the floor next. And then, Tim, I'll let you take it from here. All right. So, Trey, Trey comes – well, we call a timeout after uh, after Mikhail hits hits a shot. We, we, we're going to inbound the ball. Uh, Trey, Trey inbounds the ball. He comes around the screen. And what I'm to believe, I'm to believe there was a foul – and Trey gets up the shot. The shot still almost goes in, but unfortunately, the Hawks end up losing the game. Trey Young and Quinn Snyder at midcourt screaming at the officials at the end of this game. For for me as a Hawks fan, I love to see my coach get fired up like that and defend his players. I love it. Uh, Trey Young, we we know Trey's a little. Uh, mouthy sometimes with the officials i felt like he had a legitimate gripe at the, at the end of that game yeah and we'll see what the last two minute report says tomorrow but i think the most important thing when you look at that play is dennis smith jr really impedes trey's progress of getting to his spot now by definition that that is a blocking foul and that and hawks fans they'll see They'll see the last two-minute report tomorrow, and, it's, and it may say that the refs missed the foul on Bridges, and that pour, may pour a little bit more salt in the wound. But I think the main point about that is stars most likely get that call. Treyarch is a star by every sense of the word, and he didn't get it. Yeah, I, th- I think if that's Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, they get, they get that call. I mean, this isn't the first time it's happened to the Hawks. 
last year we played a game with the Charlotte Hornets where this happened, where, you know, we're up to uh, Terry Rozier's coming down the floor. He goes to shoot a three. Jalen Johnson high fives him, which is legal by the NBA rule book. They call a foul. The Hawks can't challenge it at the time. Terry hits all three free throws and the Hawks lose the game. And it's frustrating as Hawks fans, but something that has to be remembered in all of this, you can never leave a game in the officials' hands. You have to win the game without having the officials involved because once you do that, you're going to really – it's going to be like a coin flip because you don't know. And unfortunately, they can't fix it after it's over. Yeah. Uh, One of the – one of the things that I always say in my head when, whenever whenever I was playing in, in a sports league or at any type of any type of competition is put your fate in your own hands. And the Hawks were just not able to do that because neither team was really able to do that because they couldn't get on go on an extended run. No not a team led by more than seven, I think, in this game. So it was it was just a it was just a crazy turn of events down the stretch. But unfortunately for Hawks fans. Atlanta didn't come out on top. All right. You ready to move on to the player portion? Let's do it. All right. So we'll, uh, I'll go with Wesley Matthews, uh, starting with the bench. He had 11 minutes. I thought he played really good defense uh, for the Hawks tonight. Um, he went 0 for 1 from the field goal uh, for his field goal attempts. He was a minus 1. Uh, he had four free throw attempts, which is, which is really good uh, to see him get to the line. Uh, one rebound. I thought he had, you know, one steal. I thought he had a solid game. Yeah, we go, so we go to Onyeka Kangu next. Uh, rare, rare off-shooting night for Kangu. One of five from the field, 0 of two from three. Uh, he finished with not, nine rebounds, is good to see, but only two points, two assists. He did add a steal in there as well. Uh, this was a game from Kangu where it it was it was kind of similar to the box game where uh, you, he, he struggled with the – uh, when he was on the court with Capella offensively, not knocking down those two, not knocking down those two corner threes, and when he was the lone center in the game, it didn't really feel like he had the impact uh, that he norm that he normally would have, especially at the end of last season. So, so an off night from a Kongu, I would say, uh, in this game. Yeah, for a Kongu, we talked about you know him getting in that groove, and I wonder if the two man lineups messing with him. But you know, moving on to. Garrison Matthews, um, he had, you know, almost seven minutes tonight. I, I thought that he was probably one of the worst players tonight. So, for for me, it's it's one of those things where you got to play who who you can, and he's a defensive body for the Hawks. Yeah. As as we go on to Bogey next, an efficient shooting night for Bogey, seven of fourteen from the field. Like I mentioned before, four of nine from beyond the arc. Finished with 20 points. Didn't have a steal in this game. So a rare non-steal night for Bogey. Uh, did add four rebounds and an assist. But this was your classic Bogdan Bogdanovich game. Hawks fans are known. Hawks fans know that Bogey wants to shoot when he gets the ball. He didn't let. He didn't hesitate. He let it fly. And this is the type of night that when the Hawks don't get up a lot of threes in volume as a team, you depend on Bogey to do that and provide a little bit of that uh, when Atlanta's not getting up as many threes as they would like under Quinn Snyder. I thought the bogey had a good game tonight for sure. Yeah, I thought bogey was really good. I, I wish he had a little bit more minutes than 27, but agreed, agreed. it's one of those things. 
Um, moving to DeAndre Hunter, I thought Hunter had one of those fair nights. He was six from 15 from the field, one one for three from three. Uh, have four rebounds, two assists, one turnover. He ended up with uh, 14 points and was a plus three and a plus minus. I, I thought it was just a fair game. I thought he played really good defense in the in the first half, but the second half it kind of slacked off. And he had one good defensive possession at the end of the fourth, but ultimately it's got to be better than that. Yeah, especially, especially in that second half. Um, credit for Mikael Bridges. They made made an adjustment clearly clearly on Hunter when he was guarding him, but yeah, that second half defense has got to be better uh, to give the Hawks the best chance to win. For Sadiq Bay, I thought this was one of his best games of the year, Tim. Would you, would you say so? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I, I thought that he definitely brought the impact tonight. Yeah, 21 points, seven rebounds, adding an assist and a steal, uh, three of six from beyond the arc, and then seven an efficient seven of 13 from the field. He, as I said at the top of the show, was in launch mode from the beginning, uh, pressing off the catch, aggressive, finishing with contact. And this is what the Hawks really brought Sadiq here to do. Shoot threes, make threes, provide provide rim pressure. And I, I think he did exactly that tonight. And I didn't think he was poor on defense tonight either. So so all, all, all in all, uh, one, of, one of Sadiq's best game of, of the year for sure. Yeah, I, once again, I, I think uh, Sadiq had one heck of a night. Um, Clint Capella, moving on Clint Capella. I thought he had a fair game tonight. I, I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was bad. I thought that he was decent tonight. He was four from six from the field. Uh, he played 28 minutes. He was a plus three, had 12 rebounds and an assist. He had two blocks. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I thought he had a fair game. I, I thought Clint was decent tonight. Yeah. Uh, I think he, I think he did outplay, play a Kongu for, for most of his minutes. And uh, especially against Claxton, um, a big who likes to run the floor a lot, Capella does likes to do the same. And so that was fun to to watch the big man who who could beat each other down the court. That was that was a fun battle uh, to watch whenever they their minutes matched up together. Uh, moving on to Dejounte, not the best night from Dejounte on the scoring front. Uh, six of sixteen from the field and only one of five from three. Did finish on triple double watch with thirteen points, nine assists, and ten rebounds. But overall, that's that scoring the shooting. Uh, was not there, which which I, I which I think is the main point when you bring him, when the Hawks brought him here uh, to kind of take some of the offensive pressure off Trey. Yeah, and I think you know that's that could be Dennis Smith Jr. Like that that ball pressure on DJ was real, and you know that's something the Hawks are going to have to figure out with with DJ, and you know maybe finding him more space to take that shot. Um, moving on to Trey Young, uh, I thought Trey was phenomenal tonight. I thought tonight was one of Trey Young's best defensive performances to date. And he had 37 minutes, 11 from 24 from the field, three from nine from, from deep, uh, shot five free throws, hit them all. Uh, he had one offensive rebound, uh, not assists, two blocks. He, I mean, five turnovers for Trey, that's not horrible. Uh, and 30 points. Like, uh, I don't know if you can ask more from Trey Young. Um, Two blocks from Trey Young is is a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> yeah, and and for me, like Trey Trey has always been the guy that wants the ball in his hands late in the game. And me as a Hawks fan, I always want the ball in Trey's hands because I trust him. And it's one of those things where, yes, the game shouldn't be in the refs' hands, but you know, I, I thought Trey did everything in his power to 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 will the Hawks to victory tonight. Yeah. That step that step back three is just an example of that. And when he when he hit that shot, I thought 
I thought the Hawks were, were going to win the game, to be honest. Mikael um, Bridges, it a hell of a shot coming back. And Trey coming back now. Dennis Smith Jr., we'll see on the last two-minute report. And, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uprage on either side if it's not a foul or if it is. But, but great game by Trey, and he, he definitely put his team in a position to win. All right, so you ready to move on and talk about Philly real quick? Yes, let's, let's talk All about right. So, um, so the, the next Hawks game's Friday night in Philadelphia against the 76ers. The last time the Hawks played the 76ers uh, was an in-season tournament game, and Indeed. it was here in Atlanta. The Hawks lost 126 to 116. Um, uh, Joel Embiid was Joel Embiid in that game. And I think for the Hawks, you know, they DeAndre Hunter struggled that night. There were some things defensively that the Hawks were having problems with. Hopefully they can they could turn it around, but without Jalen Johnson going with without Jalen Johnson, it's gonna be rough. Yeah, obviously obviously well, I think it seems like we're we're going to be saying that each episode until Jalen comes back. But, yeah, uh, one of the specific things that I think uh, DeJounte Murray can do to really have a great impact on this game on Friday is kind of balancing his pick-and-roll game with multiple options. Uh, the 76ers really have a lot of guys at the point of attack who can defend well. Patrick Beverly, DeAnthony Melton, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, Denwell House, uh, if he plays – all, all, all of these guys are re- really good point of attack perimeter defenders. And when DeJounte likes to snake that pick and roll, a lot of those options aren't there because they cut off that space. Let's see, let's see if Murray can, can kind of add some versatility to that, to that pick and roll game and see if he can score in, in other ways and make the defense uh, uncomfortable and second guess what he's going to do when he's looking for his shot. Yeah, and for me, it's going to be guys like DJ, Bogey, uh, Hunter. Those guys are definitely going to have to step up in those game in in this game against Philly because they struggled last time against Philly, and the Hawks still had a fighting chance in that game. And I, I think that if those guys step up, we'll be all right. I'm sure that Hunter is going to want some revenge in this game. Oh, he got he got ejected. Last game by by that ridic- by that ridiculous no call on a charge from Embiid, he trips over Embiid's foot, or Embiid trips over Hunter's foot. Hunter gets called for a foul, gets two texts, he's ejected. Uh, now he's gonna want to really put the payback on the Sixers. Oh, and DeAndre Hunter's a Philly guy. Uh, he's from Philly, so like it's one of those things. He'll be back home, and he's gonna want his revenge. Best believe that. Best believe it. I'm, I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna be looking forward to, to really watching Hunter because um, mild mannered guy ultimately. But I wonder. I wonder if he if he really takes charge in this game and uh, hopefully finds that offensive rhythm that you know he, he kind of lacked tonight, but has been playing really well on that end as of late. All um, right. All right. So I, I think you know, kind of closing out and in, into Philly. I think that you know, Clint Capella. Clint Capella has 17 points in the last game. I think that, you know, if he can, you know, kind of build on that and keep going, because 17 points for Clint Capella against Joel Embiid is great. And I think that he, you know, if he plays like that, the Hawks have a chance. Yep, they do. And and Hawks fans will see that Friday. 
Without further ado, that'll end it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at PinWizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Make sure to be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from Sports Ethos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.